0: Everyone, In this episode of History Unloaded, we're going to continue on the subject of provenance because Danny had a really, like the worst Monday ever. And he called me about it and we both, you know, did everything we could to try to come up with how it couldn't be (laughs) provenance, you know, the provenance behind a firearm couldn't be, but it ultimately was. (laughs) And so we're going to start by talking about some of the questionable artifacts in the collection and then we're going to drop the bomb on one of our artifacts that I mean it doesn't break my heart because it was never one of my favorites but it's a big deal
1: it's yeah it's a big deal it also doesn't break my heart because the artifact there is well I I shouldn't go into too much details now so we don't spoil it but there's a positive outcome for the artifact in question
0: and it's also like still a really significant artifact.
1: Right. It's still is- a really cool piece. Yeah.
0: Anyways, let's not do that thing where we try to like not talk about it. And then we ultimately have to talk about it earlier. So let's start with Hiram Burdan.
1: The king of provenance, as we all know, Hiram Burdan. So I don't know. It, he's a weird person to start with when we're talking provenance. <laughs> I
0: know. Well, the backstory is, is that we have what we call, which is probably offensive now, the Lincoln Head Hammer Gun. And it's really just a very descriptive name. And it is a firearm made by Hiram Berdan allegedly for presentation to Lincoln, although we've always said that that's you know we don't know if it was presented but uh and berdan has a great relationship initially with lincoln because he's able to convince him to order the the sharpshooter regiments the berdan sharpshooters and all that stuff but this firearm is uh it's breech loading right
1: yep loading.
0: the hammer is a portrait bust of lincoln's head
1: and believe us the We call it the Lincoln head hammer gun. And every time we describe it to visitors, the irony is not lost on us that Lincoln was shot in the head. Like
0: I'm now looking at Danny, like, why'd you have to go there?
1: (laughs) I said the thing we're not supposed to say.
0: (laughs) I once, this is true. And this is probably going to get me canceled at some point, but I gave a tour once and somebody was mortified, like understandably. (laughs) And I said, well, at least it wasn't a Derringer and that was I mean, in poor taste. I recognize that, but I was 22 maybe, so But come on,
1: you're all about dark tourism and this is like
0: the ultimate This is a
1: fantastic dark tourism piece. Come on.
0: So the reason we're talking about this one is that we always thought like, we told the story, but we all thought it was kind of ridiculous. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we always like told visitors like there's a pretty big asterisk on this one. Like it's probably not.
0: It's probably not made by Hiram Burdan. It's probably some weird modern thing that someone tried to pass off as a, a story. But we actually have some provenance that some primary source provenance that says that this asterisk that asterisk asterisk. Asterisk. Asterisk that we always thought it was too ridiculous to be true, but there's some pretty good evidence that it might be true.
1: Right. So we, we can't prove that Lincoln ever saw it. Like we don't have that good of provenance, but, uh, r- there's a research file in the McCracken done actually by, um, one of the Remington collectors and he's went through and found like documentation. He's like, Burdan was at, um, the Robinson arms factory in September, 1864. And he's like documented there as working on a very special rifle. And there's no other rifle that comes out of this time period. And the gun goes all the way back to uh, being in the Winchester collection as far back as like the 1880s and nineties. And there's a note that says uh, uh, percussion target rifle, of Burdan's design portrait of Lincoln serves as hammer sliding bayonet WM November to 1890 WM is probably William Mason. That's, you know, there could be another WM at the f- factory, but we do think that William Mason had was sort of charged with the technical collection sort of the reference collection. And um, it's like this really cool bit. That's one of the oldest collection references too, which is kind of neat. Um, so, yeah, it's like it's weirdly accurate that Berdan probably made this gun in 1864, whether he got it in front of Lincoln's a question.
0: I also think it's funny that you're using the wording that we specifically called out in our last podcast about Providence, where you just said it's really there's some there's a lot of primary source material to confirm that this is probably.
1: <laughs> I, I can't help like somebody told me this one time it was a completely unrelated conversation like not a museum and they're like you're way too circumspect and I'm like I can't help it anymore like everything has a caveat I can't say things for sure
0: it's a problem Uh, I used to get uh, I never I would often not speak in absolutes whenever I was doing an interview because the second you speak in absolutes and I think I spoke in an absolute in one video or in one article about this thing that we're going to talk about later. So, see, it bites you it's in the ass. That <laughs> um, the other weird part of this story that makes it seem ridiculous is the fact that Bourdain was being court martialed at one point yeah. after, before it was made. And so, it's just weird to me that. Was this his like maya culpa, my bad, like me again gun? I
1: don't know because he was, I believe he was court-martialed for cowardice. And I don't remember off the top of my head the outcome of the trial, but like he he forms the regiments of sharpshooters to much fanfare, and then when they go into action, is sort of suspiciously far back all the time. I think is the gist of the story and gets court-martialed for it. Apparently, I guess he's not totally out of good graces because he goes back to building guns um and makes this one so yeah it's it's a mess he's kind of a mess of a person
0: yeah it's kind of like other civil war characters
1: but i don't know i shouldn't get on my high horse i've had a rough week maybe he's just having a bad time
0: yeah maybe he was just having a bad a bad few weeks maybe people were spreading rumors about him being a coward we don't know
1: we, don't know. we weren't we there
0: weren't. so the next now we're like
1: becoming super super we're going the exact opposite of absolute and we're making up excuses for situations we have no idea about
0: accurate so the next one let's do the 30 cal thompson do you want to
1: yeah so that one's so we've talked about this one a little bit before we've posted it a bunch on social media because it's a really cool gun it is a thompson submachine gun an m1 pattern thompson submachine gun that is chambered for 30 carbine as far as we know it's the only one out there it's got a great big one sort of scratched into the side of the receiver which for nobody else could have done right no one ever could have done that um and it's been part of the winchester factory collection for a bit and it, it's just a really neat piece it's really engaging for visitors because of course everybody knows the regular 45 cal thompson and so that there's one out there in 30 carbine It's pretty cool. It was done as part of Auto Ordinance's bid for the Army's light rifle project at the beginning of World War II. uh, When the Army asked for a five pound gun, Auto Ordinance made a 12 pound gun, Um, but we'll gloss over that and their reasoning. Um, And so this gun's lived on in the Winchester collection. And that's the good provenance on it is like it's documented as part of that collection. The sort of he provenance on it is and how so an example of kind of what we talked about last time is the story goes that Bill Ruger himself built that gun while he was working at auto ordinance and that story from hearing it from Ashley and myself to you guys is like third hand now because we were told that story by the late curator of the collection Herb House who was Herb, the
0: curator when, who was the person in the room when he was touring right. Bill Ruger through the collection because Bill was on our, <laughs> Bill, on, on super good terms. Uh, yeah. Mr. Ruger was on our board uh, at the time. Right.
1: So uh, Bill and Herb took a tour of the collection and allegedly Bill said to Herb, oh, I recognize that gun, I built it. And so like, that's our connection to why that gun was made by bill ruger so there's there's nothing in the winchester notes that backs that up it's that story that backs it up
0: and so to us we whenever we talk about that i think i just posted about it uh on our social media and let me see if i did if i did write by the one of the things that
1: it's one of those caveats like we had about the lincoln head gun it's like we tell the story because it's a good story but we also have to sort of you know Heavy audit.
0: So on April 6th, I posted on the Cody Firearms Museum social media and I did myself a good. I talked about teaching old dogs new tricks and the history behind submitting this gun, even though it didn't follow any of the, <laughs> any of the requirements. Yeah. And the last sentence was according to former curator and late historian Herbert House, Bill Ruger claimed to have assembled this during his time at auto ordnance. So
1: yeah, so that's a pretty good representation of the story That is fair that it's a possibility But it's not for sure
0: And we don't, um, I mean, and, and Mr. Ruger has passed away And so has his son I know there's other family members But, you know, that's also hearsay of hearsay of hearsay So yeah. we don't, we can't go to the source Which would have been the other person in the room um, right. So that's that one And then I guess We should go to Napoleon Napoleon
1: yeah. Napoleon's a good one.
0: But not the good one. Well, I guess maybe the better one in terms of like a person. I don't know anything about other Napoleons.
1: Yeah. I don't know which one is currently in good standing with all of us 21st century people passing judgment on his story. If anyone's figures. in good
0: standing. But <laughs> definitely Napoleon Bonaparte's a little questionable. <laughs> and not as short as people thought he was.
1: I thought the story was he was kind of short by today's standard, but pretty Normal for back then,
0: I think he was like 5'8. I'm googling it now. I don't know, Anyway, which is not as short as it sounds. They make it sound like he's my height.
1: Well, to me, everybody below like 5'10 is short.
0: Oh, but I've it. also I been searched a Napoleon freak, so. and I got Napoleon Dynamite.
1: <laughs> it is not a gun from oh, Napoleon Dynamite. he was 5'6,
0: according to Wikipedia.
1: <laughs> that's not great.
0: No, that's not great, but that's not five foot.
1: No, it's not five foot. Like I always some think it's
0: whenever people describe it, I always think he's like five one or five two.
1: No. Anyways, I don't know how tall Napoleon the third was, but the gun is allegedly a gift from Napoleon the third. Oliver Winchester is known to have gone on a trip to Europe uh, in um, 1865, 66, around the same time that a certain someone tried to take over his company back home and while he was in (laughs) europe of course (laughs) while he was in europe of course he met with lots of people and got in a lot of doors of and one of those was a meeting with napoleon the third and the story goes that napoleon the third presented a pinfire shotgun an engraved pinfire shotgun to winchester that he brought back and this one as far as i know is Like, totally company lore. It's not written down anywhere. This is just the shotgun has been passed down through the generations as the gun that was given to OF Winchester by Napoleon III.
0: Which you would think the company would know their lore pretty well. But I guess it's time to go to the big, the big elephant. In the room. Oh. And so let me let me cue it up for you, Danny. Let me cue okay. it up. So Monday morning, I dropped my stepdaughter off at school, and I'm heading home. And Danny sends me a text message that says, P.S. late, like, we don't have the Eisenhower gun. Now, yeah. to give you a background, when I first came to Cody. We had this display that was stacked in our embellished uh, be- embellished arms gallery, and it had all of the different president's faces and all of the different presidential guns. And one of those was President Eisenhower. And so and and it's a Winchester firearm, so from the Winchester Collection. So we, you know, as we've said before, there's a lot of provenance in the McCracken Research Library that isn't ever looked at because you have 7,000 firearms in a collection and other people have done research in the past. And so yeah. to some extent, you have to do your best to, you know go with what is considered authentic. So he sends me this or this text that says, "We don't have the Eisenhower firearm." And I'm like, what? I think it might've been my only response or huh? I think it was huh? And so he I think huh
1: and then an immediate phone call.
0: Immediate phone call. And so Danny, take it from here.
1: (laughs) So I got a message from a researcher um, inquiring about uh, a different Winchester and I was trying to help them out. And so I started digging through the files for for this to see what, what was available.
0: Going above um, and beyond looking, because it wasn't necessarily something you had to look at,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, I I dropped, I did this like first thing Monday, so that's customer service, I think. Yeah. Um, but they were looking into a, a specific potential presidential firearm, and I wanted to check for him, find out what was going on. And in looking, I searched a file. that's sort of as Ashley mentioned. There's all these files in the in the research library, and Provenance is buried among all of them, and it's never for the gun you expect where you expect to find it. True. So, like, you'll be looking through some really, I don't want to call it mundane because it's all pretty cool history, but you'll be looking for something pretty normal. And then all of a sudden, there'll be this great piece of like, oh, wow, this gun did this. Well, like That's the Berdan,
0: like right. Berdan provenance. Yeah.
1: Exactly like that. So, I'm looking through this file, and it talks about, um, Winchester 94, serial number 2 million. And it doesn't click with me right away because the researcher was asking about, they asked about our Eisenhower gun and, a, and there's a similar one out there. And so I'm just reading through it. I'm like, oh, this is amazing provenance. I'm like really excited because I was like, well, we said it was Eisenhower's gun. But I didn't know what we had to back that up. It's just always been cataloged as that. And I'm like, here is page after page after page. Like (laughs) John Olin himself writing down, I took this gun to the president on this day. This person engraved it. It was for this occasion, like impeccable, 100% provenance. The kind of thing you never, ever, ever get in museums. (laughs) It's true. Never, ever. And then I wait, wait, ours isn't serial number 2 million. Oh, <laughs> I, I like ran up to the gun in the gallery to look at it. And what happened was Winchester had a tradition of with the 94 production, starting with number 1 million, they presented it to the sitting president when they hit production mark. So 1 million went to Coolidge. I think one and a half million went to Truman. 2 million went to Eisenhower until they got to two and a half million. Aren't we missing a
0: Lyndon there. B. Johnson one in there?
1: So Lyndon Johnson, he got a commemorative. He got serial number one of one of the commemoratives. Okay,
0: Yeah, you're right. The 66, it was the centen, it was the 66, but right. he the got
1: 66, the centennial yeah. serial number one. Um, so that was sort of this pattern that Winchester had developed. We, <laughs> 2 million did go to Eisenhower it is like documented a hundred percent. That guy went the to Eisenhower, Eisenhower.
0: National Park. <laughs>
1: And the gun turns out is in good hands at the Eisenhower national historic site. Maybe, I don't know if it's on display or not, but it's, I believe it's in um, Gettysburg. And
0: the sad thing is, is that while Danny is diving into what happened here, which we'll talk about in a second. Well, we don't really know what happened, but we, 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 think we have a trace to where it got confused um but i'm now googling eisenhower's 94 and literally two two websites pop up on page one of google and you know you never think to look that up and it's you know eisenhower's two million with all the provenance that we talked about and mortifying like absolutely mortifying
1: and this is my like this is my, I was on vacation the week before I worked a little bit at the end of the week. So like, first thing I have emails stacked deep on a Monday. And like, this is the first inquiry I dive into. And like by 9 30 AM on a Monday, I'm in shambles.
0: Well, and you are, you know, over at the McCracken and then you're in the object file. Cause that's the next thing is we're talking about, all right, we've got to figure out where this fell apart. You know, what, what, how did we get from 2.5, which was a, made as a presentation piece. Right. To Eisenhower owning the 2.5. Where did that happen? So Danny goes to the object file where sometimes things don't get digitized correctly. Sometimes things don't get digitized at all from there. So what did you find?
1: Yeah, so clearly in the archives, 2 million is Eisenhower's. There's also a note about serial number two and a half million, which it was we engraved this gun essentially, it boiled down to we engraved this gun like all of our other milestone guns. Nick, uh, Kuzmet did it like just like those others, but we are keeping it in the factory. Like they wanted two and a half million for themselves. I mean, that's a big milestone, yeah. So it's just it didn't go to a president. So I go start looking, I was like, all right, I have to track where this went wrong. Cause Winchester clearly knew which gun they gave to whom.
0: Yeah. So this isn't Winchester so, messing it up.
1: Right. This which is- sometimes we think might've been the case with some other notes we come across, or, you know, maybe it had been the case for the Napoleon the third gun that we can't really prove it is like the company saying it's one thing and we can't be, we're, we're not sure the company had the evidence the evidence backs them up. They know what they have. It comes to us and somewhere along the lines, it gets misinterpreted and then displayed wrong for like 25 years.
0: And so what Danny and I were on the phone for this whole thing. Like,
1: yeah. And I was late for another meeting. Like yeah. I dropped the phone in the middle of the thing and I'm like, I gotta go. So, <laughs> I forgot yeah. what time it was. So
0: we're starting to dig We're when, you know, when did this happen? And right. so- The one thing that I thought you found that was interesting was, I think it was the, was it the photo negatives that said Eisenhower and then the photos that said presentation piece?
1: Right. So going up to the object file, I I, I found one file that was from like the mid eighties where things still seem to be correct. And then I found a file from the early nineties and it's like gun presented to Eisenhower. And I'm like, uh Oh, I look at it. And it's the gun that's here, so between about 1985 and about 1995, we did like a, a photo catalog of this serial number two and a half million, and someone wrote on that, "This is Eisenhower's gun, like Eisenhower's Winchester serial number two and a half million photo for the Buffalo Bill Historical Center."
0: And the one of the former curators you know, we know that at least it was 1995 uh, because we have a signed appraisal by Howie Mattis Mm -hmm. that says it is Eisenhower's gun.
1: Right. And that appraisal or that it's, it's like the whole, it was the paper catalog files that they were using back then. So it's like the catalog file with an appraisal by Howie all, you know, and that's the only name on it. So we assume it was all done by him and that one says Eisenhower's Winchester. And as far as I know, it's been displayed since the night. I mean, it's been on display since then it's been on display virtually the whole time it's been here because it's a really amazing gun. Um, And it's catalog, like it's accession number is with the other like presentation pieces. So it sort of fits.
0: Well, not Um, just the other presentation pieces, but the other presidential presentation. Right, right, right. So it's like, Six, seven, eight, or something. Nineteen eighty-eight point eight point. Like six is one president, and so you know. Right. So it's in the row of those presidential firearms.
1: Right, and but at some point it got mixed up, and it's like it's clear as day in the archives. This is not Eisenhower's gun. Um, and and so what do you do? Because the gun has been displayed now for, as best we can determine, twenty-five odd years. As Eisenhower's gun, it's not. I have to go write a new label. I mean, (laughs) it's. Poor baby. (laughs) I, everyone feel for me. Yeah. Um, No, (laughs) it's it's legitimately something that was passed down. And when we're writing, you know, when we're doing the exhibit, because guess where we put it? Right in the lineup of all our presidential guns. Like it always had been. (laughs) Like it always had been. I've given tours since the museum opened. Hey, that's president. Uh, Kennedy's that's President Johnson's that's President Reagan's that's President Eisenhower's like i have gone right down the road um, although except my explanation there was out of order um, but I've told people that's Eisenhower's gun since I've been here so you feel really bad but when we were doing the museum it's we didn't have time to go back and verify every piece of provenance well, and we and had previous catalog. curators
0: involved so right. you know it we it's just this crazy thing that you assume coming from the Winchester collection, being in the serial number range, being something that's been on display and advertised as that since at least—I promise you—it's probably 1991 that it was advertised as that when they rewrote the museum.
1: Right, and and here's the thing, like because nobody changed that say, museum,
0: like, <laughs> like nobody changed that museum. <laughs>
1: right. What some people listen to this and be like, "Well, you guys should have done like due diligence on some of your, you know, best pieces to make sure those are right." And I can tell you, if we had had the time, we would have ID'd stuff like the Lincoln gun to go double check that one because we weren't sure about it. Like this one seemingly in our catalog, both digital and paper, looking at it now, it's like what is in that catalog is pretty solid compared to what is in other entries. So if given the time, we would have tried to solidify other entries and just put this one on display.
0: Well, and as you said, um, a lot of times this is in the archives and not anywhere that we're, where we would ever think to find it. And you just, because of an inquiry and not even really related to the inquiry, you just decided to rabbit hole and you found this thing that you weren't expecting to find. So, right. you know, there's no guarantee that even if you went looking for it specifically that you would have found it and i prom i almost can guarantee that when they were sending all of the archives and thousands of firearms that people weren't sitting there going okay mm, you know <laughs> matching it up and so it's just this fascinating thing that we wanted to talk about cuz we had the conversation of do you just change the label and you know moonwalk into the background with it and we were like no because this is a part of the pitfalls of being in a museum with this many artifacts, with the history of provenance being different, standards of provenance being different, the problem of Digital records versus handwritten records versus archives that don't often end up—you know—that stuff doesn't end up in the object file and the ability to say, "Look, we have an appraisal from 1995 saying that's what it is, and it's been on display that way." So, while you know it sucks, and could we have been different? Sure, but was there any indication that it sh- we should have been digging deep into that one of how of 7,000 firearms? No, and so it's—I I find it really interesting. And I, the one positive of all of this is that neither Danny nor I are Eisenhower scholars. So when it got brought up in videos or in articles, it was with a list of other presidential guns. So it wasn't like we, you know, somebody will find this, but I don't think we ever really spotlighted it other than to say, here's all of our presidential guns. Um, And here they, you know, boom, 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 boom. So we lucked out in that respect. And I actually found two mentions of it and one in an article and one in a video that I'm all, actually going to reach out to those people and say, can we make an amendment to it? But of course it's off in the, you know, the wide world of the internet. Right. So there's only so right. much we can do. So what we can do is obviously I know the two people that I can reach out to those. So if they can make an asterisk for it, that would be great. Um, but being as honest as we can and you know, we know where it is. So it's not a situation where oh no, a private collector has it and and we're going to hurt the value of their appraised firearm. It's a situation where it's in a museum collection. We know where it is. We're thrilled that we know where it is because it's such an important piece of history. But I say, shout it from the rooftops because people make mistakes and people have been making mistakes for at least 25 years with this firearm. And I wish I knew how it happened. My gut tells me that there was, because it's 2 million and two million five, my gut was that somewhere they saw two, like 2 million and they didn't, you know, they just were quickly going right. through it. And then they saw two, five being made for presentation and they probably just like inverted the numbers because that stuff happens. But it's right. amazing that, that, if how that happened. I mean, I, someone could have been malicious. I mean, that is very realistic that someone could have been malicious, but it, it was more than likely just a inversion of the numbers and seeing something quickly when you're cataloging and being like, Oh, it's a presentation piece. Oh, Eisenhower's 2 million something. And this is, you know, and not realizing that it's like you did, you were reading through it and you were like, yay. And then you were like, wait, that's not our serial number. You know? So it's, it's interesting. I wish you could be a fly on the wall for when that got screwed up.
1: Well, yeah. And you know, it's, it's one of those things too. It's, it's nice. We're in the, Lifespan of the museum field, where we get to be really forthcoming about this, because there was a time in museums where a discovery like this would have been like swept away.
0: Well, and you know, we didn't ask permission (laughs) to talk about it. So next week it'll be hosted by Camila. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Danny
1: and Ashley are gone. No, like we're not going to face repercussions from for talking about this. And I talked about it with you know admin here, so it's. It's one of those things where we're at a place where we get to own our mistakes. And that's not to like paint ourselves as like holier than now to past museum people. But it was just the trend in the field was if you discovered something like this, word the label slightly differently so we can still pretend we think it's Eisenhower's. Or fade like it into
0: that. the background.
1: Oh, yeah. And like I'm that.
0: sure a lot of museums still do stuff like that. And, you know, it's a institutional choice, but we found it to be, well one, we found it to be quite the coincidence that we just did a video about old gun guys and provenance and then this is something that was done by an old gun guy and yep, you know, I mean, you can't you you can't even write that, you know, or anticipate like, yeah, the yeah, when it happened it on happen. Monday
1: and our previous episode you, like we did our episode, we were both out for vacation and then like the next we're planning the next episode and this happened is like, well, we're not done talking about provenance then
0: (laughs) yeah we're like let's do it i mean let's bring it up and let's be honest about it and it made us sad but i honestly i wasn't that sad
1: i'm not that sad because it is still it's a significant milestone gun for winchester and
0: it's beautiful
1: it's a beautifully engraved like there's you know it's i've been told by collectors that engraved guns are like the most faked thing ever and guess what we have a nick Cosmet engraved gun that is provenanced, you know, to Winchester for these specific reasons. So that's still a pretty special gun. It's still a great presentation piece. Um, So yeah, it'll stick, it'll stay on display. We'll update the label to say what it really is. And when people ask, we'll tell them what we found.
0: Well, and I think one thing we could possibly, or you could possibly consider doing is changing the label and then adding a little panel for now that tells the story. Because I think it's interesting.
1: Well, and so our upcoming temporary exhibit is going to be about primary sources. So I think for a little bit, I'm going to move this gun over to the temporary exhibit with some of the, with a conversation about how do we figure out our own stuff?
0: Yeah. I hope you think it's as fascinating as we did. And uh, for us, it was at least humbling. See ya. Talk to you guys next week.